Prophecy Word, a Bible study led by Pastor John Jenkins of Northport Baptist Church. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn over to Acts chapter 10. Finally got out of Acts chapter 9. I don't know, how long were we in Acts 9? I don't know. So it's probably five or six weeks, I don't know. But we are going to Acts chapter 10 today. And I told you about Acts chapter 9, that Acts chapter 9 is one of the most important chapters in the Bible, especially for us as Gentiles, because it was really God's means for grace for us. Because the Apostle Paul, who is Saul in Acts chapter 9, but he actually is the one who begins to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So Acts chapter 9 is important, important, important for us as believers. But I'm telling you, Acts chapter 10 is almost just as important, especially for me, because I really like bacon. And so Acts chapter 10 is really important if you like bacon or pork or ribs. If you like to eat, you like Acts chapter 10. But really, it's more important than what we get to eat, because it again is God's means to grace for the Gentiles because it really shows God's heart and it shows who salvation is for. And so as we start, just a verse, and I share this verse all the time, especially as we were going through Revelation and what Jesus says about the end times. But in 2 Peter 3, 9, this is what Peter says about God. He says he is really not being slow about his promise. Now, what's his promise? The return of Christ. It's the second coming of Jesus. You can go read 2 Peter 3 for that. So he's really not being slow about his promise, as some people think. He is being patient for our sake. And here's why. Because he does not want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to come to repentance. Okay? Now, is that verse limiting in any way? Does it limit anyone on this earth in God's eyes for who he loves and who he grants salvation to or offers it to? It says everyone, anyone, right? So it doesn't say some, doesn't say 20%, 80%, 99.9%. Anyone, anyone is who God wants to come to repentance. And of course, repentance is the only way to salvation. That's turning from your sin and turning towards God. So he doesn't want anyone to perish and be separated from him, but wants everyone to come to salvation. So that verse is really important in Acts chapter 10, because you need to understand who salvation is for and who salvation is for biblically. Okay, now I know that Everyone has questions for God, right? We all have questions about God. We all have questions for God. So here's a question for you. What questions do you have for God? You have any? You can ask it. Anybody got a question for God? Why do children have to suffer? Why do children have to suffer? That's a hard one to answer, isn't it? Why does anyone have to suffer? But especially it's hard to watch a child, especially if it's your child, it's even harder. But why do children have to suffer? That's a hard question. What other questions do you have for God? Why did he make roaches? Why did he make roaches? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm not sure God created roaches. I think that's Satan's creation. I think that's part of the fall. But that's a great question for God. What other questions you got for God? Why does he keep waiting? <laughs> why does he keep waiting? Well, I answered that. Uh-huh. I mean, 2 Peter 3.9 answers why is he waiting for Jesus Christ to return. I mean, he's waiting for one reason and one reason only. So people can be saved. That's it. That's the only reason he's waiting. You think he was waiting? That's a good question. Well, well, no, but here's the question. And here's the answer. He's going to come. And people are going to die lost, according to the Bible. So he ain't going to wait for just one. Well, if the conclusion of the Bible is true, he's going to come back one day. And people are going to die and go to hell, according to the book of Revelation. A lot of them, by the way. And he knows who they are already. Well, okay, but then here's the question. He knows that. But what are you going to say about him in that regard? Are you going to say he predetermined that and predestined that? Well, that's what you just said. No, I said he knows. Well, he knows, but you said he would wait for just one. You got See, here's the thing with conclusions. You have to take them all the way to the end biblically. Whenever you have a biblical conclusion or whenever you have a biblical theology, you got to take it to the end for it to be your conviction. And this is what's hard about the Bible, because there's a whole lot of different views and interpretations about the Bible, right? A lot of them. And I'm not, I don't want to say this mean, but most of them are narrow-minded in a sense. They don't look at the whole scope and they don't take it to the end and the conclusion. Does that make sense? What I'm saying? And I, again, I tell you this a lot, but You've got to remember, you've got to remember that God is eternal, okay? Okay, God is not bound by time. I mean, 2 Peter 3, go read 2 Peter 3. A thousand days is like a year, or a day, a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. A day is like a thousand years, okay? So time means nothing to God, means nothing to God. So God is not bound by time. God's eternal, And that's circular, not linear to God. Now, we're bound by time. This earth is bound by time. And when did time come into being on this earth? Now, here's a great question for you. You And you got to think about this because this will blow up your theology as Baptists. Okay, when did time become a factor on this earth? Okay, I believe that because I talk about that a lot, but let's... We got to take it out, right? Our conclusions from beginning to end. Well, God says He created the world in how many days? Okay, was that before the fall? Okay, so do you believe in a literal six day creation? Why? Okay, but the Bible also says a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. So. God is not bound by your day and my day. He's not bound by that. So again, you got this is where we're narrow-minded when we say things. You got to be very careful what you say biblically. 
Did God create this world in six literal 24-hour days? That's how he chose to do it. We don't know. We have no clue what God did there. Now, I know people would argue that till the end of time. Why will they argue that till the end of time? Well, the Bible says it. The Bible says he did it in six days. A day means nothing to God. It means you can't bind God with time. You can't do it. So that's why standing on certain arguments is crazy if you don't understand the argument. Okay? Time, literal time that we know, came into being at the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. And time is God's grace. Okay, we don't like time, right? Does anybody like time in here? Do you like having to be somewhere on time? Do you like getting old? Because that's what happens with time, right? Does anybody like time? I mean, I really don't like time. I hate what's going to happen next week in the time of the year that we're about to go into. I despise it. I hate that. I do not like time. But time is God's grace. Now, why do I say that? Without time on this earth, I could be eternally separated from God with no means to salvation. Right? God could have left me in the garden, could have left you in the garden, and we think, well, that would be great. That would be paradise. Well, no, it wouldn't, because what entered the garden, what entered paradise in Genesis chapter 3? Sin. What does sin do? Sin corrupts. Sin destroys. Sin kills. Sin separates us from God. He could have left us there for eternity, but because sin is there, who would not be there? God. He's holy. So what did he do? He sent us out. And not only did he send us out, he made sure we ain't getting back in, because what did he put there? Not just any angel. He put warrior angels with flaming swords. Try to run through that one. Okay? He guarded that tree, and what tree was he guarding? Not the tree he told us not to eat from. He was guarding the tree of life, eternity. He's guarding eternity. And he established time. And then in that time, what do we have? We have a means to salvation, a means to return to God, a means to grace, a way to make all things right. So that's time. And thank God for it. Okay, thank God for it. And thank God he's a patient God. And he is slow to anger. And thank God he's waiting to send Jesus Christ back to this earth. But when I say we have to be very careful what we say about Scripture, that's what I mean. Because your conclusions can get you in trouble. And there's a lot of theological interpretations and conclusions that get people in trouble. And they drive people away from this book. Here's one that, I mean, we can talk about today because of what we're about to talk about from salvation and who can receive salvation. Who did God make salvation available for? For sinners, for everyone. Second Peter 3, 9. He wants everyone to come to salvation. Okay? But why did God make some people with more tender hearts to accept him and some with such hard hearts? Did God make them that way? I don't know. No, he didn't make them that way. Biblically, God did not create you with a hard heart. 
why does people have hard hearts? Well, I've thanked him a lot of times for speaking to me as a 10-year-old child when I looked up in the sky and saw myself as a child that there was somebody bigger than me and I wanted to know him. Well, that's a good one, too, for our discussion today. But here's the question, and I don't know where you grew up. I don't know who lived beside you. But do you think the child living beside you had a harder heart than you had at 10 years of age? No. God didn't create you that way. Okay? What creates hardness? We do. We create it. (laughs) Now, sin orchestrates it, but we're the ones that harden our heart. Okay, here's, an, here's another one, okay? And I hear this one all the time, and this is bullarkey. Bullarkey. All sin's the same in God's eyes. That's horse manure. I can, I'll give, I can go even stronger if you want me to. Don't ever say that. Do we ever say that? You ever said that? Don't matter what sin you've done, in God's eyes, it's all the same. No, it ain't. Anybody want to argue that one with me? Well, okay, let's let me I'll I'll make it very simple. There is one unpardonable sin. Okay, what is the unpardonable sin? It's blaspheming the Holy Spirit is what it is. Blasphemy. But it's specifically blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Why is blaspheming the Holy Spirit of God and not cursing Jesus Christ? Or saying, damn God, or whatever it is, people say, why is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit the unpardonable sin? What's the job of the Holy Spirit of God? Conviction. Conviction. Drawing people to Jesus Christ. So if you say no to that, if you blaspheme him and laugh and, I'm not doing that, that's unpardonable. Why? Because you ain't ever going to be saved without it. Okay, so... That's a different level of sin, anything you can come up with. And by the way, there are other sins that God looks at different. Sexual sin's one of them, by the way, because of what it does, and the Bible talks about that. Spiritually, emotionally, everything else. There's not a standard of sin. I mean, God looks at things differently. And no matter what we think or no matter what we say. Okay, but a great question here. Okay. We can look up into the sky, and who can we see? Because God reveals himself that way. How do I know? The Bible, Romans chapter 1 says it. Okay, Romans chapter 1 says it. Okay, here's a question. Okay, anybody on this earth can look up into the sky, right? Okay, anybody on this earth, whether they're in America, whether in Indonesia, whether in the heart of Africa, they can look up into the sky, and they can see... The revelation of God. That's one of the way God reveals himself. Now, is that complete and utter revelation? Is that complete and utter truth? No. Because what do you have to have to be saved? And what do you have to have to know God? Well, you got to have faith, but you got to have faith in something. What is that faith in? Believe in God. Okay, well, this is what you got to believe if you believe the Bible. Okay, Jesus Christ said, John 14, 6, I am the way. Okay, he didn't say I am a way. I am the way and the life and no one, not some, no one comes to the Father except through me. 
So you either have to believe that Jesus Christ knows what he's talking about or he's a lunatic. There's no in-between. Okay. So what about that guy, that girl, that 10-year-old in a tribe somewhere in Africa, doesn't have cell phones, doesn't have TVs, they're just out there with no electricity, no nothing. But she looks up into the sky and she sees God. And then she begins to pray to God, the God of heaven. And she knows that there's only one God and he is the creator. And she prays to him. And she longs to know him. And she lives a good life. And she grows up and she has a family. And she shows her family, her kids, those stars and the sky and the creation all around her. And she points them to God. But then one day she dies. I believe she's saved. Why do you believe that? Because she acknowledged him as Lord and Savior. No, she didn't. Did she hear about Jesus? No. Can anyone be saved without Jesus? No. Can anyone be saved without hearing about Jesus? No. So she is not saved. Oh, she's not. How is she saved? Okay, now let's, again, biblical conclusions. Because this is what I hear, and this is what I hear people say, and most of these people aren't Christian, but they're trying to undercut and undermine the Bible. What do you do with that innocent person in Africa who doesn't know about God and has never heard about Jesus? How can a just God send her to hell? How can he? He thinks the way he revealed himself as God that he also then could somehow know that he revealed Jesus. It's a great question. That's what I like. Great question. I just, you know, there's that verse in, in uh, whatever it is. I'm not really good on remembering. Right, it. whatever it is. It says that, the, that God searches the earth seeking for a, a person whose heart is set on him. Okay. But again, without Jesus, without a gospel proclamation, without the word, without God revealing himself, somehow, is that whoever that person is, even he who he's searching for, seeking for, are they going to be saved? I can't speak to that. Well, I can. I can. Okay. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. No, we've got to know this. You've got to know this. You can't. But I have something to say. Okay, say it. I believe with all my heart, whether I'm right or wrong, when a person is truly seeking the Lord and really, really seeking to know God, somehow or another, God has the power to I, no, I didn't say that. Jesus to that person. And we're going to see that in God's Word. Yeah. But if he doesn't hear God and Jesus, is that person going to be saved? Well, without Jesus, no. But I right. do believe God has the power well, that's, to reveal that. Yeah, there's, I mean, I don't think, I would never deny that. Hopefully people wouldn't deny that. But if they doesn't, if the person doesn't hear about Jesus, does God, a just God, still send that person to hell? Okay. The question I ask you is, if a person is genuinely seeking to know God, is God not going to reveal Jesus to that person? I hope. Okay. So when does somebody become a person? Are they a person at six or are they a person? Well, that, that's a totally different argument. Because we can get way off on that one. Let's, but let's, I, this, was, this one's important. So I want you to turn to Romans 1. Romans 1. Verse 
because you really have to understand this to understand the Bible, but not just the Bible, to understand what God calls you to do. Because here's the problem. What June's talking about is not an indictment on God. I'm going to show you. Okay, you had Romans 1 yet? Okay, look at verse 18. But God shows his what? His love? Okay, no. But God shows his anger, his wrath from heaven against who? All sinful, wicked people. Okay, now who is all sinful, wicked people? That's every person that's ever been born on this earth, by the way. Because what does Romans 3 say? Who has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? June Hubbard? Yes. No? June Hubbard, yes, but John Jenkins too, right? And every person in this room, you're sinful and you're wicked, every one of you. Well, that felt good saying that. Okay, no, but we are. That's who the Bible says that about us. We're sinful, wicked people. That's who we are. Anybody want to deny that? It says all of sin didn't come short. All have. It's every person on this earth, even the person in Africa who is seeking after God and who is searching with all their heart, they're wicked and they're sinful. So if God sends them to hell, does God send them to hell because they didn't hear about Jesus Christ? Why does he send them to hell? Because they're sinful and wicked. There is no innocent person on this earth. None. Zero. Nobody. No matter how pure their heart is, no matter how sincere their faith is, apart from what Jesus says in John 14, 6, and it has to be this way, I'm going to show you why. It has to be this way. That no one can come to the Father except by me. Okay? Without Jesus, God has to punish their sin and has to separate them from Him forever because we are all sinful and we are all wicked. Just I'll explain it, but just read the rest. People who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So why is the truth of God, His revelation, why is the truth about Jesus suppressed and not known by us and by the world? Because of our wickedness. Okay? Not because of God. Not His wickedness. Not even His anger, His wrath. Our wickedness. Verse 19, they know the truth about God because he's made it obvious to them for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. So what does God do with all wicked people? 
he lets them go, right? Okay, so here's an illustration. Let me make this point, then we'll get in our text, because our text talks about what Gene was talking about. Okay, let's suppose that there's a young man in Indonesia, and he's grown up in an Islamic culture. He was born in it. His family taught him. He knows nothing else. He's devout. He prays five times a day. He practices Ramadan, fast, does everything the Quran tells him to do. It's all he knows. He knows about Jesus, but what he knows about Jesus is a lie because of what the Quran teaches. Okay, let's suppose that young man, 20 years of age, devout, sincere, good man. Let's suppose he goes to the doctor because he's feeling bad one day. And let's suppose the doctor does test on him and says, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you have an incurable cancer. You're going to die. But let's suppose that same day at Johns Hopkins University, they find a cure for the cancer he has. Miraculous. They test it out. Works 100% of the time. But that man in Indonesia dies in two weeks. Why did he die? Did he die because he couldn't get to Don Hopkins? Did he die because he didn't know about the cure? Why did he die? Because he had cancer. He died because he had cancer. Was there a cure for his cancer? Did he know about the cure? Did he take the cure? He didn't die because he didn't have the cure. He died because he had cancer, correct? Okay, that is the exact same thing on this earth when we're talking about salvation. People don't die and go to hell because they don't have Jesus. They die and go to hell because they are sinful and wicked people. Okay? That's why they die and go to hell. But did God give us a cure? And what did he have to do to cure our sinfulness and our wickedness and our separation from him? Jesus Christ. He had to send his one and only son to die on the cross, right? Okay, now catch this. Okay, if it was true that a person who is sincere and who is seeking after God and longing for righteousness, if it is true that God would save them even apart from Jesus Christ, what would be the dumbest, stupidest thing we could ever do on this earth? Share Jesus with anybody. Would that not be idiocy? That would be idiocy. For me to go to June knowing that if she never hears about Jesus and she dies not ever knowing about Jesus, but she's a good person, she didn't kill anybody, she didn't do anything horrible, wouldn't it be absolutely stupid of me to share Jesus with her not knowing if she's going to accept Jesus Christ? Would that not be idiotic? Because if she can go to heaven is just a good person or an innocent person ever hearing about Jesus, it would be idiocy for me to share Jesus with her, right? Is that not true? That'd be the dumbest thing we could do. So why do we spend millions of dollars on missions and planting churches? And why did Jesus tell us to go to the nations and be my witness, make disciples everywhere? 
because there's no other way. But let's take it a step further. If it is true that you can go to heaven without Jesus, what would have been the dumbest thing God could do? Send Jesus to die on a cross. <laughs> How horrible would God have to be to send his son to die on a cross in the manner in which he died if there was another way? Would that not make God a horrible, horrible, horrible God? Well, the answer is yes. Just think about that. Take it to its conclusion. I mean, that would, that would be insane. If you have a child, would you do that to your child? It would be hard to do it to anybody, but much less your child. There's no other way. There's no other way. Yeah, John. I'm going to throw this out here. Okay, so this is basically what Vince said. Okay. And we, and we, again, you can take conclusions wherever you want to go because we can talk about abortion, we can talk about all kinds of things here, okay? Okay, I know theologically one of the things we talk about through the Reformation, that's where our theology comes from as Baptists, is we talk about things like... Eternal security, right? Okay. What is eternal security? That means when you receive Jesus Christ as Lord, then your salvation is secure forever. Now, there's others who teach that's not true. Now, I think they're wrong. Biblically, I can teach you very easily how they're wrong. But Romans 8 is pretty clear. If there's any chapter in the Bible that's pretty clear about eternal security, it would be Romans chapter 8, especially the end of Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate me from the love of God revealed in Christ Jesus Lord. Okay, well, that doesn't really leave much room for error, right? Nothing. I mean, nothing. Okay, so we believe in eternal security. Okay. Again, I'll ask you the question. When did eternity start? Okay, if... Remember, go back to my discussion about time, right? Okay, with eternity, there's no beginning, there's no end. Okay, eternity's eternity. Now, it's hard for us to grasp that, correct? Because everything in our life, everything in our life has a beginning and an end. Our life has a what? Beginning and an end. Everything in between has a beginning and end. Guess what? In just a minute, we're going to end this Bible study without me talking about anything that I was going to talk about, okay? <laughs> but they, we're going to end it, right? Everything has a beginning and an end. That's just this life, okay? Eternity ain't like that. Because in eternity, there is no beginning and there is no end. Okay, so here, let me ask you the question. Personally, think about this. When were you saved? Before the foundation of the world. That's when God knew you. That's when God formed you. That's when he created you. But guess what? He other, formed other people before the foundation of the world who are not going to be in heaven. That's another good question, isn't it? Okay, again, this, things like this can mess up your theology real quick. But again, when did your salvation begin? Did it begin when you were 10 years old? Did it begin like me when you, I was 13, almost 14 years old, and 
prayed to receive Jesus Christ, Lord, because I finally saw myself as a sinner and knew I needed a Savior in a revival meeting? Is that when my salvation began? Because you know what? I'm an eternal being. So are you. Okay, so that's not the question. Every person on this earth is an eternal being. Every person. So the question is just where you spend an eternity. Okay? Now I know this bumfuzzles our little minds because in our minds, we're born on this earth as a child, as an infant, as a baby. At some point, if we give our life to Christ, whatever that point is, we become a child of God. At some point, we're going to die, and then at some point, we're going to go be with Him in heaven forever. Is that not how we think of it? Is that how it is with God? Because again, God's not bound by what? God is not bound by time. A thousand years like a day, days like a thousand years. Okay, so does God know who on this earth is going to give their life to Christ? He's eternal being, right? And if you're an eternal being, does God know? Yeah, because you're already in eternity. Right? Okay. Now then the question goes, well, did God choose that? Did he retrust in that? Did he predetermine that before the foundations of this earth? Okay, that's a good question because in the Bible you have things that talks about like the elect and it talks about the chosen. Okay. Well, I ain't going to get there, but Acts chapter 10 answers some of these questions. It answers a lot of these questions. But again, back to the topic, the question, what about the baby? Because I just told you my theological belief, biblical belief, that there is no one innocent on this earth. Right? Okay, so what do you do with that child? Yeah, that's not a biblical terminology, by the way. Okay. But the Bible does support the idea. It does study King David and you believe the Bible is true then his baby died at seven days old one day before baptism yep and then he said uh, he can't come back to me. but I'll go see him right if that's true then it's settled and it and I believe biblically that there is a point. But the problem is we don't know the point. We don't know the age. We don't know this. But for you to know that you need a Savior, you have to first know that you are a sinner. Okay, right? I mean, that's just the logic, okay? Before the Holy Spirit can convict you of sin, you got to know you're a sinner. you got to know that you have sin that you need saving from. Okay, at some point in your life, that became a reality for you and for me. But I'm pretty sure at the age of two, that was not reality for me. I didn't know I was a sinner. Now, was I, was I a sinner? I was a big one. I was a, I was a pretty big one at the age of two. I can tell you some stories my mom's told me about what I did because I didn't like to go to bed. I hid in closets, and they didn't know where I was. I would, 
I would do this. This is a good one for you moms. I would throw up in my crib and then rub my head in it so I'd have to get a bath so I wouldn't have to go to bed. <laughs> that says a lot about me, doesn't it? That's, that's, hey, that's genius. I'm telling you, for a two-year-old to come up with that, that is genius. Y'all, I am Einstein, so I'm just going to stick with that. But did I know, did I know at that moment when I was doing that, that I was a sinner? I, I knew I was getting a bath, but I, did, I didn't know what sin was. I didn't know anything. I, I mean, I, how could I comprehend that Jesus Christ did what he did for me? And that God's, could I comprehend that? Could I know that? No. Okay, but what does Romans 1 talk about? What does it talk about? It talks about knowledge, does it not? Y'all don't have to turn back, but listen, okay? Verse 19 they know the truth about God. Okay, can an infant, can a child, can a preborn, can a toddler? I mean, I don't know the age, and nobody knows the age because it's different. Can they know the truth about God? Okay, so who is God angry at, and who does God show his wrath towards? All sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness because they know the truth about God. So if you do not know the truth about God and know you're wicked and sinful and God and seen revelations of God somehow, is God going to show his anger and wrath towards you? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe he can. But now here's the fine line. I don't know the fine line. I don't know if that's the age of 10 or 5 or 2 or I don't know. Nobody knows that. But at some point, we know. And we know our wickedness. We know we're sinful. We know in our heart what I did was wrong. Whether it be a lie, whether it be stealing, whether it be killing, whatever it is. I mean, we know, right? Because it's conviction. Okay? So we know that. Nobody knows when that is. With a person then that's never heard of Jesus, but has realized there's a God because he's revealed himself to them through nature. No. They're going to know that they've been a sinner. No. They're not. How are they going to? Well, they're going to know they're a sinner, but they're not going to know that they have a Savior. No. Does that make sense? So they're, yes, they're going to know sinfulness. They're going to know sinfulness, and they're going to know there's got to be a God. They're going to know that. God says that in Romans chapter 1. And it says that, that God made them, they can clearly see his invisible quality. Yep, in his hands. So, now I don't know what point, I don't know what point that is for their life, and I don't know that. And again, I believe that's different for most people. I, I don't think there's a standard age of accountability. I don't like that term, because I don't believe it. Now, I know what people are saying when they say that, but... Right. We can't say eight years old is the age of accountability. I mean, we don't know that. It varies, and it varies culturally. It varies child-child, developmentally. There's so many issues there that nobody can define. So there's some things biblically we can't know. There's just some things we can't know. Okay, but I can know whenever they know that they're sinful and wicked and they know that, then they have no excuse, and they have to have a Savior, and that Savior is Jesus, right? Is there a Knows 
No. That no, a sinner is a sinner, and so it doesn't matter what your sin is. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you're going to know. I mean, and the level of knowledge is different too. And so you can't base it off that. You just have to base it off knowing. Now, again, I can't tell you when that is. But, I mean, think back. For some of you, it's a long time. But think back to your childhood. For me, it's not long. But y'all think back on y'all's childhood. (laughs) No, but seriously. I mean, there was a point in your childhood where you knew what you did. Uh, That wasn't right. And it was probably pretty young, honestly. I mean, and your mom probably helped you with that knowledge, but she probably helped you with that knowledge, whether it be selfish and you're stealing a toy from your brother or sister or you're slapping them upside the head or whatever you did. I mean, you lied, you put your head to throw up, whatever it was. I don't know. But, I mean, you probably knew that, right? I mean, at a pretty young age, you knew oh, I, that was wrong. Well, that's the knowledge we're talking about here. I mean, that's the knowledge... The knowledge of being a sinner. So this isn't the age of 50 because nobody has ever heard the name of Jesus. This is just the knowledge of sin. Because what does sin do? Sin separates, sin kills, sin destroys. That's what sin does. So it's just the knowledge of sin. So again, the problem's not with God here. God made a way. That way is who? Jesus. Okay. God made a way for Jesus to be known. And how did he make that way? Well, that's what we've been studying through the book of Acts. He made that way known through you and me, through the church, telling people everywhere about Jesus Christ. Correct? So why are there people all over this world who've never heard about Jesus? The fault ain't God's. Has God given us the resources to do that? Has God given us the technology to do that? The means to do that? Uh, Yeah, and then some. But you know what else he's given us? This is important, biblically. He's given us someone who lives within us. The Holy Spirit of God. And why is it imperative that it be a believer who shares Jesus. Because who lives in us? And whose is the work of salvation? And if the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and you go to someone and you tell them about Jesus, guess who else is there? The Holy Spirit of God. That's why we go. That's why we tell. That's why He has called us to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Stop there. To the ends, to the ends of the world, wherever that may be, mm-hmm. you go and you be my witness. Yeah, Claude. Um, okay, what, where does that put all of the people that died before Jesus was born and Woo. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. You know, I have really not read Acts chapter 10 yet. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. 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 I'm sor
Sorry, y'all got my head working. <laughs> but it's already time to leave. But okay, but no, it's a good, it really is a good biblical question. Okay, so quick answer. Biblically, it's through faith. Okay, and the Bible talks about that. And it talks about Old Testament saints, Old Testament people who were to heaven. It's through faith. And that's a really good topic for the book of Hebrews, by the way. But it's, it's faith. Okay, now who did they put their faith in? That's really important because you had Muslims during that time period that we're talking about, okay? So they put their faith in something, right? Okay, but it was a wrong God if you're a Muslim. Yeah, yeah, okay, so it is the God of Abraham because what came out of the line of Abraham? Yeah, but also what came out of the line of Abraham is some false teaching there about other gods, okay? Abraham believed. And it was reckoned in him and him right. Yes. Uh, back there, and he believed. But it's through faith. And faith in the right thing. So we'll, we'll probably talk about a little bit that in Acts chapter 10. Okay. Because here I'm going to read one verse just so you, uh, I can say I got to Acts chapter 10. <laughs> but just, but, but I, wanna, I want you to think about this because it goes back to what June was asking earlier. Okay, let me read it real quick, and then I just want you to think about it this week. We'll talk about it next. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman officer named Cornelius, who was the captain of what regiment? The Italian regiment. Okay, so was he Jewish? Okay, was he from Jerusalem? Was he from Israel? No. Did he have any knowledge about Jesus Christ? Probably not. Did he even know about the God of the Jews? Probably not. But he was devout, and he was a God-fearing man. Now, what God did he fear in? We don't know. Romans had a lot of gods. But he was a God-fearing man, and everyone in his household was. So he led his family to do this. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. And one afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said... And Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send someone to Joppa and summon a man named Peter. He is staying with Simon a tanner who lives near the seashore. Okay, was Cornelius seeking after God? And what did God do? He answered the prayer and revealed a way. Now, is Cornelius saved here? No. Nope. Because we're going to see later, he's got to hear the gospel and be saved because he's got to know about Jesus. But God made a way for him to know because that's who God is. Doesn't say what God. Doesn't say what God. Muslim can be a devout, God-fearing man. A Buddhist can be a devout, God-fearing man. A Hindu can be a devout, God-fearing man. There can be a lot of them. Don't matter. You can be a devout, God-fearing man. Without Jesus, you're going to hell. Hate it for you, but that's biblical reality, right? Okay? So, as you think about this, read it this week. Read this story this week. And I want you to think about what God does so that Cornelius can be saved. Because he 
just doesn't do it for Cornelius. He does it today all over the world. All over the world. So we'll talk about that some next week. Okay? All right, John. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us next week as Pastor John continues the study. And if you're looking for more, find us at northportbaptist.org.